electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, live from separate locations. Faber is going to join us in just a bit. Futures suggest the Bulls may take a break after six days up on the Dow, the longest win streak of the year. And, of course, after the biggest 50-day rally in S&P history, a Fed meeting begins today. More commentary on the reopening from Macy's and others. Oil below 38. But, Jim, uh, some say the speculation, especially around some of these smaller cap names, uh, definitely needs to come off of the burner. Yeah, I mean, look, the most uh, popular stocks yesterday, uh, top ships, that's a a petroleum ship company. Um, We also had uh, Hertz, but that's... um, That may not even exist as a stock, but there it goes. Uh, Sea Energy, uh, Oasis Petroleum. uh, We got the uh, Valeris, uh, Callan. I mean, these are all companies that may or may not exist um, in the future, uh, but they're fun. There's a lot of people who are running stocks as almost as if it's some sort of like a big game. And that game does not last. uh, And that game is coming to an end probably today. Really? It will be missed. What, what makes you think today? Well, because they can't run. I mean, you need that backdrop. You need to have oil going up for a lot of these stocks. Uh, you need to have uh, what I would regard as being no articles written that are the equivalent of a very good piece in Bloomberg. Retail traders flout legal logic by buying up bankrupt stocks. You, you need to yeah. have a, a backdrop of enthusiasm that's hard to maintain. And it doesn't seem to be maintained today. It's a shame, Carl. It was so much fun for the people doing it. They were betting double zero. It came up. Then they bet double zero again. It came up and said, you know what the conclusion is? Double zero comes up. It's like, it's Dostoevsky. What a writer. I I saw your tweet about that. But, um, I mean, retail trading activities gone from 3 million average shares a day to nearly 8 you don't see that reversing, right? These accounts no. aren't going to go away. And I don't want it to. I, I, I love the idea that investors, uh, new, new investors, are learning about the process. I disagree with Ron Barron, who was great this morning. But, you know, the, the, it's the same thing over and over again. We said, well, people get scared out. You need professionals. Well, who scared people out? Stan Druckermiller scared people out. Uh, uh, Ray Dalio scared people out. Bill Ackman scared people out. That's who scared people out. I mean, people just kind of otherwise want to own index funds. Warren Buffett scared people out because he sold all the airlines exactly when they uh, when some of these um, day traders decided to run it. So uh, it's the professionals that scared the people out, not the amateurs. Now, the amateurs, I wish do I wish that they were buying Bristol Myers. They will one day after they've lost some money. They will discover the idea that there's some really good companies. But this is part of the this is teething. They're teething. And they got, right, you know, they're teething. And you say, all right, I'll lose some money on Denbury Resources, but I made some. It hurts. I mean, Carl Icahn sells 38% yeah. of Hertz. It's or, uh, 70 cents. But these people feel it's worth $5. Now, I don't know. Maybe they're showing contempt for, uh, for Carl, or maybe they just don't know what they're doing. But once they learn, they will then 
fall in the line of people who have invested in great stocks like, you know, why don't they buy Amazon? Well, the reason is because it's $3,000. It's going to 3000 But they should just buy a fraction right. of a share. That, you know, it's been set up for them. They don't even have to split stocks. So it's painful. It'll be painful today. But maybe the, the solution is to buy a, a fractional share of Amazon. Well, that education process, Jim, is something we want to talk about with uh, Faber, who's technically off this week, but wanted to call in with some color, uh, David, about the Chesapeake's and Hertz and J.C. Penney's of the week. Yeah, and, and uh, one other name as well. Of course, Jim, as usual, Carl, is right on it in terms of what I'm hearing this morning. Uh, you know, you can't get away from it, which is just the high level of speculation that has crept into this market. Perhaps something that none of us would have expected when the pandemic began began is that a few months later we would be watching the likes of some of the names that that, uh, that Jim just talked about. But take a look at shares in the cola. This is a company that I've gotten to know fairly well, of course, as you know, Carl, uh, having uh, interviewed the founder a couple of times. First, when they announced the deal with the SPAC led by Stephen Gursky, remember, Jeff Ubbin from Value Act, of course, and a couple of other well-heeled investors there as well. Uh, Mr. Milton came on with me at the NYC, one of our last interviews there uh, that we did there. Uh, and then he was on last week when they closed the deal. Take a look at that stock. It was up over 100% yesterday. It's poised to go even higher. Now, listen, it is a very interesting story, but it's still largely just a business plan waiting on execution. Um, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yes, uh, I think it's uh, clearly gained sort of the uh, grab the imagination of a lot of retail investors out there who've sent this thing sky high in a way that, frankly, I haven't seen since, I don't know, the days of KPEL back in the late 90s when Turner yeah. and I would sit across from each other. I mean, you know, now hydrogen trucks and, and, and electric trucks uh, and big orders, all po- very possible here. Lost $89 million last year, going to lose money this year. Obviously, no revenues, you know, he said last week when I interviewed him until uh, next year, uh, 2021. But they've got the money and they've got the vision. Take a listen to Mr. Milton from last week. We raised a billion dollars, almost a billion dollars through this IPO and and some of the other offerings. So we, we have a lot of money in our account. We have no debt. But no doubt we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to raise more money. That'll come down the road once we hit benchmarks, and then the investors are like, you know, once they know that you've hit your benchmarks, they just open up their they open up their pocketbooks. Uh, when at that point, it's just it's just all execution, and that's we're right on the edge of that right now. And so that's kind of where things stand in some ways, in a reflection of where we are in the stock market right now. By the way, there are warrants associated with this thing too, and it's interesting because retail may not have been aware of them. But they're out there. Every SPAC gives warrants out. 1150. Obviously, they've moved up. You can uh, 30 days after the close of the SPAC, you can um, they come due potentially. Now there is a 10 day uh, uh, period in which they can get the average price, the stock price, and buy back the warrant. My point here is though, Jim, that retail is fierce right now in terms right. of facing a lot of these things. Hertz, 14 billion of vehicle debt, 6 billion of corporate debt ahead of the equity. Are you going to get equity recovery value on Hertz? Bonds at 25 cents? No. All right, so David, let me play devil's advocate. Let let me play devil's advocate, all right? Okay. David, it's a tough time. Why can't people have fun, make a little money? Why do you have to come on and crush it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on, David, the Ferris wheel's going, then suddenly you what? You have to stop it? I mean, uh, who are you 
Who are you other than someone who's studied this all his life and realized it ends badly? Who are you to come on TV and take away people's ability to make money? Who do you think you are? Hey, Jim, by yep. the way, it went on for years when we sat there on Squawk Box in the old days. For years. And I re- get this hate. Back then, I think it was real mail, not even email. Oh, they hated you, you know, so much. You don't know how to count. That you know, AOL is blah, blah. I mean, it went on and on. But listen, when you see bankrupt companies like Hertz or Chesapeake. Um, oh, my God. You see that yesterday? 70 bucks a share. Um, now, granted, the equity value there is not that great. But again, recovery value on the equity in these situations. And by the way, Jim, the airlines, American Airlines has added an enormous amount of debt to its balance sheet. Did you know that its enterprise value now is above what it was pre-COVID? I know. As we watch Chesapeake back off today. That's, and they, look, they're, not, they're filling the planes at 50, what, 50%, 55% of what they did last July. Who knows what they're charging? I mean, I've got guys flying for like $99 all over the world. I mean, this thing is crazy that we look at those numbers. David, American Airlines, ever, Evercore was using a dollar price target when it, was, when it was at 12. But no, the people have spoken, David. The people, it's like the people's court. The people have spoken, right. David. It's worth more <laughs> with a lot of debt and, for, and fewer passengers. Now, you know, we sit here and we look at this thing and we say, okay, Hertz, um, it, it, the stock probably is wiped out. They look at it and they say opportunity. And I, I, all we do, and I, I, I'm, I mean, I couldn't look at my Twitter file this weekend because I actually raised the possibility that Hertz stock may be worthless. But, you know, it could, it, it could be worthless. Uh, yeah, in fact, it's potentially likely to be worthless. I mean, Carl Icahn knows a thing or two. What did he sell? That last 72 cents? Right. Um, and he owns the debt. But uh, hope springs eternal. This is a period of uh, incredible speculation, it would seem, that we've moved into. And, Jim, as you well know, these can go on for quite some period of time. They certainly make for interesting conversation pieces. Oh, and Nicole is going to be that as we follow that company. That's, listen, that's, I mean, it's got they have a plan. billion dollar market value now. They have a plan, you know, David, and they got a great plan. name. Yes, great name, plan. Very uh, young, uh, excited uh, founder. Yeah. Uh, new CEO. Uh, he owns 135 million shares, by the way, just Mr. Milton. So we can do the math there. He's become uh, a multi, multi billionaire pretty quick. Well, we love that too. I mean, but listen, here's the issue. We listened to Ron Barron, and Ron Barron's good. And he talked about how, like, what, Tesla, uh, I don't know. He could say 10 times because he was right when it was uh, $100. Uh, the but Tesla had certain things going for it. It had manufacturing. Uh, it had a visionary person who knew exactly uh, how to get cars on the road. It's not clear that uh, this new uh, iteration, first name iteration, is necessarily as good. But, but Carl, I would come back and say, I want people very badly to be in the stock market. And how are they going to learn other than... Uh, buying these small dollar stocks and thinking that that's how you make money. Don't want them to be blown out. I do want them to understand that you can do small dollar stocks now like never before. It's just that you have to do it in fractions. And that fractions is a great way for people to learn how to buy an Amazon or how to buy an Alphabet. So I, I just wish that they would switch the direction away from companies that may be bankrupt or overvalued. And it is something you may, look, you may think Amazon's overvalued, but you can own a fraction of it. You don't can't just say, this, say listen, I don't, I don't have a $3,000. So I, I just don't want them to, I want them to refocus. They have to refocus. Yeah. I mean, really, guys, what we're talking about is something that uh, Mohammed Alarian has expressed pretty clearly on our air, and that is the market 
suffers from a win-win mentality. Either the company I'm buying is going to recover, or if it doesn't, there'll be some external force, the Fed, Congress, some other form of stimulus that will come in and rescue it. As for Ron Barron, Jim, he did say that he still owns a lot of Vail, owns Hyatt, added to Activision and Schwab. But, of course, the conversation did pivot around Tesla, and he said if he could, he'd like to get some money so he could buy some more. Here's what he said. I would like to be able to get more money to buy more Tesla, actually. I thought that we would make 20 times our money, our money in Tesla. So far, we've made four times. I now think we're going to make you know, double or triple again over the next uh, five years and double or triple again over the next five years. I think there's 10 times more to go in, in Tesla before I have to even think about this, if, I'm, if we're right. So, Jim, I mean, you're talking about this education process, this teething process for new investors I mean, what are they supposed to think when they hear that? Uh, I know uh, they have to look back and see the things he was saying early on about how right he was. Um, do I think he's res- irresponsible to say it the way he did? Uh, I wish he had been uh, less. Uh, I wish he had been more tempered uh, because uh, now what will happen is there'll be people who do buy it uh, and then it'll go down 100 and then they'll hate Ron and they'll hate us. And then Ron will say, I told them they should be a professional manager. They shouldn't have done it. So on the one hand, he stimulates it because an individual is watching. Certainly he's going to follow him because he's a great investor. On the other hand, when the stock goes down, he tells them what were they doing listening to him. So, I mean, my problem is, is always the same with the people who are really great like Ron. They have to say, look, and I think Ron tried to do this. Look, this is my long term view. Um, it, it certainly can have a lot of downs in the interim, but I want you to hold on. And he somewhat said that, but it's really important for people to recognize that if they're going to speculate, which I'm not against, they should speculate wisely with companies that are very good, not companies that are one step away from being delisted. David, you're finally going on real vacation now? I doubt it. I doubt it. I'll probably be back tomorrow. <laughs> David, how about Tiffany? Tiffany! Thanks for... (laughs) (laughs) David, we'll talk to you later on. We know. uh, David Faber on the phone today on his technically his day off. We will talk some retail after the break. Uh, Macy's with some numbers out. There is Tiffany LVMH News, Signet and others with uh, futures indicating a drop of 350 at the open. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Watch Macy's in the pre-market. Got some preliminary numbers, uh, narrower than expected loss. Uh, 450 stores, Jim, uh, have reopened. And then, of course, uh, $4 billion in new financing. Our friend Jan Niffen says 
We now know that Macy's is going to make it, in his words. you agree? Yeah, and I think it's great because Jeff Gannett is a terrific guy. I know he's on at 4 o'clock. Uh, they've had so many different reversals, whether it be problems right now, obviously, in, in New York City, but the, the strong dollars hurt them. Uh, they are in some not great malls. Uh, he's got to close the bad stores, but the, he's going to live to play again. And that, therefore, that stock at 10 makes somewhat sense to me. Uh, when it was the dark days and it was at five, you didn't know if they could raise that money. I think a lot of us are pulling for Jeff and pulling for Macy's just because it's iconic. But be careful. In the end, it's a department store. And uh, those have fallen out of favor. You couple that with sort of the ongoing theme here, Jim, of narrower than expected losses at right. Tiffany and Signet. You had MasterCard today saying not just volumes improving, but in-person volumes as opposed to when you use your credit card online. That's pretty key. Yeah, look, I, I, my challenge also is MasterCard. They've been absolutely terrific, but uh, cross-border volume is a problem. They've made a lot of money with that. It's down 44%. When we think about these airlines, by the way, we've we got to remember when you travel, you often have to be quarantined or you're not allowed to go. And uh, cross-border has been a nightmare for a lot of different companies because you're, if the government mandates that you can't go somewhere, it's not like you're going to go somewhere and start spending money. It's kind of like what's happening in New York City where they're finally opening some places, but uh, you still can't open a restaurant the way you'd like to. You always have to remember, if you look at, say, Signet Jewelers, did they do a good job? I don't know. I mean, so many stores were closed. It's tough to tell if they did a good job. It is really um, Wendy's did say some good things about how how they're doing with breakfast. But for the most part, like I have Stitch, yeah. Stitch Fix one tonight, Carlin. You know, it, there's two Stitch Fix because there's the one before the closing, uh, the one, one before they had problems at their, at their distribution centers. And then the ones after. And I, I can't tell how they're really doing. And I think if you think you can, I, I really believe you're um, you're clairvoyant or wrong. So that's why we're sort of leaning on this number. Uh, you hear it all the time now of the stores that are open. Right. Productivity is X, right? right. But it doesn't mean that uh, 50 percent of the stores aren't still closed. Yeah, I mean, we can't. I mean, are the best stores open? I don't know. I mean, there's some outfits like Starbucks where Kevin Johnson has got a plan. He has a plan to be able to take advantage of all the abandoned real estate. Uh, where people can't pay their bills and open up Starbucks walkthroughs. Now, that's terrific. I think that, that I love to hear something like that. But a lot of these uh, companies, I don't know. I mean, they're they're hopeful. And, and I think it's very difficult to judge where their stocks are, which is why you see such wild speculation based on the idea that maybe things are, are going to be exactly back to where they were or even better. And I don't have a lot of companies that are even better than where they were uh, in February. Interesting. Kind of brings us to these new targets on Amazon, Jim, out of Wells and B of A, uh, $3,000 uh, for each one. And their general thesis is as people go back to work and go back to school, it's going to feel momentum back to that. I got to have it tomorrow, which, of course, is Amazon's bailiwick when you compare them to uh, some of their in-store competitors. Right. I was surprised that they seized on that because I think the more logical thing to seize on is they discovered the, uh, Amazon for the first time, new people, or they discovered how reliable Amazon is for, for basic staples that they would normally have gone to the, the supermarket for. And so, therefore, they can ne- they're hooked and they're never coming back. And I think that that's a bigger case. I think Amazon is, is going to blow through 3000 but I don't want to be like Ron, Ron Barron. It, it may not go there in a straight line because the market's had a heck of a rally. But 3000 that seems reasonable to me for Amazon.
Yeah, yeah. Not the only big target increase we got today. There's another one for Facebook out of Goldman, which we'll get to after a break on this Tuesday morning. Don't go away. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. S&P coming off of its first positive close for the year yesterday. Of course, NASDAQ hit that all-time high, and it is a bit of a turnaround Tuesday. Futures suggest a drop of at least 300 on the Dow when the opening bell rings in seven minutes. It's time for a mad dash with Jim. Uh, Talk about turnarounds, Jim. I know you're watching Oxy today. Well, look, this is kind of out of sync with what's going on in the rest of the market. Uh, But today is the day that Bank of America says, you know what, it's time to take one more risk. The worst is over for Occidental. Uh, Now, Occidental did uh, eliminate its dividend. Occidental, of course, bought uh, Anadarko, paid way too much for that. Uh, But they're saying that you should take off the table the liquidity risk, that there's some things that Oxy can sell. I mean, sure, last week it was at 15. uh, Yesterday was at 24. So you say, well, you missed that quick nine. But... I, I like the idea – they're downgrading Chevron. I like the idea of saying, you know what, there's been uh, – the Chevron's been a blue chip. It's been terrific. Now it's time to go down and start buying some of the down and dirty. My problem here is, is that I think Chevron's a really great company. And uh, yesterday, BP laid off a lot of people. And I think you still got to be high grade. I don't think – I know that there was a V in, in oil – uh, the Saudis and the Russians, I'm not exactly sure exact what strategy they were going for. It was probably the worst ever. Took oil down to minus 37. But I just think Oxy's great. So if Oxy gets hit really hard, I just go right back to that. Huh. I'm sorry. Um, Chevron's really great. Broader... Uh, here's the problem yeah. with this Oxy. Remember, Warren Buffett got that great deal, and the shareholders didn't. And I've never liked that. Buffett got a really good deal. And that was the beginning of the end for Oxy. Chevron, Mike Worth is the opposite. He's doing everything right. Uh, and he cares tremendously about the dividend. And Chevron is a great company. And I really think people should not sell Chevron to go buy Oxy. You don't low-grade your portfolio at a time like this. Uh, is it your broader view, though, that, um, I mean, when you look at what production's doing in the Permian or the shale companies, uh, versus overall demand for oil and driving, and who knows, maybe aviation, maybe aviation as well? Aviation. China's been a tremendous uh, import of oil of late. Uh, China skewed the numbers. Uh, I do think the Permian can start the spigot immediately. Uh, I have been a big believer that uh, Chevron's good. I like Pioneer. I like Parsley a lot. PE, that's terrific. Uh, Diamondback, which is the other fang, is very good. EOG, a very conservative company. I like those. I don't like fossil fu- fuels in general. Because I think that a lot of the younger portfolio managers who are eventually going to inherit the earth just think that they're d- dirty, like they are coal. 
but I do appreciate some of the work like Parsley's trying to do in order to cut down flaring and some of the work that Mike Worth's trying to do to make it so that Chevron is the greatest oil company. I certainly think he, he's made it uh, much better than Exxon, which had always been the dean of the group for the last 30 years. Yeah, I know, you know, of the names we were tossing around earlier uh, in that speculative bucket, I know Whiting was in there, too. Yeah, Whiting won't be... <laughs> You know, I, I don't know how to value Whiting. And, and, and I, mean, I don't know how to value Chesapeake. I mean, what? These are not in the hands of, of common shareholders. They're really, you have to look at the bondholders. And I, I, I don't know. When, I think Whiting can come out of bankruptcy pretty quickly. Uh, but I'm not sure what that'll leave for uh, common stock. But I, I, I know that Chesapeake is, the common stock's worthless. They have so much debt. They could have hurt a lot of yeah. companies, too, that, are, that they owe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, bonds trading for cents on the dollar uh, and oh. then the common at the bottom of the cap structure just behaving just yeah, I mean, people uh, the exact under- opposite. I wish, Carl, that people understood that common stock is the lowest uh, rung on the totem pole in a bankruptcy. Now, I think people say, well, of course it is, Jim, but a lot of the newer people who are coming in, uh, and want to make quick money, they seem to think that if they buy Chesapeake, there'll be someone who's willing to pay even higher. Uh, and that's what happened yesterday. So, I mean, it, it was a good strategy, yeah. but I question whether it's something that is really a longer-term strategy and not just a dice roll. A back alley dice roll, not a real dice roll. Yeah. Jim, if we were at the exchange this morning, uh, we would be talking to uh, online automotive retailer Vroom. They rang the opening bell in person. We're going to talk to the CEO, though, uh, when the stock opens. Um, I know you talked to, was it Ford last night, Jim, uh, as uh, about sort of overall consumer attitudes regarding driving versus flying versus cruises? Well, I, I think that when I look at the... There's a big, big issue with, with autos that I think is really right, and I know we'll talk to Phil LeBeau about it, but... If the CDC says you can't have carpool, um, if people don't want to ride in uh, mass transit, then autos are going to have a rebirth. And I think that autos are the last area, Carl, that have not run yet. And so I think you have to find something that is auto-related. I know that Ford is interesting at 7, GM. I saw Mary Bauer speaking in another network. But my favorite is DuPont because it's really killed them that they have such auto exposure. It's Ed Breen running the company now, and he is just so, so good. He, the CEO, previous CEO left. Now, Ed Breen was uh, the architect of this Dow-DuPont uh, merger that really hasn't worked out that well. But I think the DuPont, my chapel trust, has been buying it. Wow. I think he's really on the case to make this stock great. And there's a terrific report out today, if you really want to follow what's going on, by City about how insights from conversation with DuPont management, this is a must read. Uh, and I just think the world, I, I just think the world of Ed Breen and this piece is going to make people money. They're looking at a, a boosting price target pretty significantly um, and recognize that auto is no longer going to be the thing that, that hurts them. I think that that's what people have to focus on. Interesting. Um, overall, Jim, sort of a net defensive picture, obviously. Uh, J&J and Merck leading the Dow along with uh, Walmart, uh, Proctor. I wanted to touch on Apple because there's a Bloomberg piece that at WWDC uh, later on in the month that they will announce a shift in Mac processors from Intel to their own. You got some news out of Taiwan Semi this morning as well, saying they could make up the order book if there is a ban on uh, Huawei business. Interesting time in semis. Oh, geez. You know, in semis, 
I think that this, the semi-business, if that pulls back, you want to be there. And two that you want to focus on are analog devices and Texas Instruments. Those are auto. They have a lot of auto. NXP has a lot of auto. And I think that those are the ones that you would reach for first on any sort of pullback. I, I heard Bob Swan yesterday on Intel talking pretty positive. AMD has some very competitive chips coming, chips coming out. I, I like AMD more than I, I like Intel. And then you're not going to go wrong owning NVIDIA because Jensen Wong put together an amazing quarter. The semis are still doing so well. Last week, Broadcom reported a, a, a number that was good. It wasn't fantastic, but they do have a 4% yield. Uh, the semis are still a great place to be. They will be brought down today uh, as uh, high flyers in, in what I regard as being a day of profit-taking. But this, uh, the semis come back earlier than a lot of others. In terms of Apple, I, I think the last few days we have learned more and more about how Apple's service revenue has gotten even bigger uh, there are so many analysts, Carl, that got off it. They just felt, well, it's, it, it can't go any higher. And here we go. And now you're heading into 5G. Yeah. So, I mean, Apple's good stock yeah. on a pullback. A couple of halts to watch, Jim. One is Chesapeake for news. Uh, we've been talking about that name right. all morning. And the other is the other stock we were talking about with David, which is Nicola. Um, first halt of the day on that for volatility. Yeah. So your opening comment, Jim, uh, about what today could bring uh, starting to come into view. Yeah, I mean, look, there are a couple of services out there, and I'm not going to particularly name anyone. but some very nice people uh, that have been very good at running stocks. Now, running stocks is something that, of course, is illegal. Uh, that there used to be the SEC used to look into these things and say, OK, well, is someone doing a pump and dump scheme? What is someone doing here? I don't find that to be the, the SEC as, as active as they used to be and things like that. But you, you do have people running stocks. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, confessions of a, you know, of a street. It, well, when I talk about confessions of a, of a street in my first book, I talk about this when I see these people doing these things, which is that they pick a stock and they run it for the day and how horrible it is that they do that because you never know when they're going to be done. And they catch people. Uh, I was talking about last time. They bag people. They gun the stock and then they liquidate the stock into the people that they've gunned it to. And it's a process that is even made worse by Twitter. I mean, Twitter's got guys bagging, gun them in BGL, bagging, gunning and liquidating everywhere. And so you've got to be really careful. I mean, there's a lot of people playing games right now. The most I've ever seen, I'm sure Dave would say, too, I've never seen so many games played with stocks, which is that, hey, we're taking this one up today. We're taking that one up today. You know, they used to do that in Japan in 89 and 90. And we know how that ended. Uh, so please be careful when you see uh, a reference in Twitter which says we're taking up Hertz or uh, get on board the Chesapeake train because these – you're not going to be the one who makes the big money. You're going to likely be the one who loses the big money. And I, I just want to warn people. Yeah. I know, Carl, people will hate me for doing what I just said. But, you know, people have hated me for a lot of things. So you, just add that. Eventually you get used to it, Jim. Um, on the transports, every component in the Dow Jones 20 uh, is lower. We mentioned Boeing, obviously. Um, we're going to get uh, orders, I think, today. But we've had negative orders for four straight months. Uh, It's added 580 points to the Dow in six sessions, Jim. So how durable is this is this turnaround to the downside? Well, I I think that I actually think that Boeing's okay because I think that uh, we're on the verge of the of the max being approved. 
uh, I don't think it's going to be that much longer. And at that moment, if you want to sell, you can sell. But I think that does matter. Uh, I do think that the uh, we're not hearing enough about we're hearing a lot about planes and how safe they are to fly in terms of the illness. Uh, they're safe as buildings. Yep. And what I would point out is the great thing about a building, and if you can go look at what Cisco's doing before you get there in the New York Times today, in a building, you can stop people who are sick and they're not going to sit next to you. But when you fly, no one is going to stop that sick person from being next to you. And that's what I think that is the biggest fear that people have in flying. So I, I'm not a big fan. I mean, the airline stocks have had a major move. It, it would, I think it would be good to take something off the table in every one of those. Same thing with the cruise ships, by the way. They don't, you know, the cruise ships try to stop people who are sick. But, if the, you know, the, there are people who get on and they get sick while they're on. I mean, it, it's, it, it's just not like a building where you can say, listen, I'm going home. You're on a cruise ship. You're, you're not going home. So uh, these are situations that I hope they solve uh, because I think these are great industries. Uh, but in the interim, if you're sick, if you're next to a person who's sick, even if you have the mask and you have the goggles, there's a good chance you're going to get sick. And that's what I think we should have to remember. And that's why flying is down, not just not just because the business travelers are using Zoom. We have not figured out a way yet to be able to. I know United United Arab Emirates is trying to have an up to the moment test, like an actual PCR test that says that you can't get on, even though your temperature is fine. That's what we're going to need in order to be able to get flying back to 100 percent. And that's going to be very hard to get. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that sort of reinforces the view that we're in a bit of a fog of war when it comes to the illness. I'm sure you read all about the confusing headlines from World Health Organization yesterday about asymptomatic spread versus uh, pre-symptomatic, right? I mean, yeah, I there's hope that, was, that if, if uh, you're it, spreading, you have to be showing symptoms, but we just don't know. No, I, look, at WHO it has really not been a, a – they've made a lot of ill-advised uh, statements. I mean – I think that we've seen over and over again that the uh, initially we felt that the asymptomatic couldn't give it to people. And then 100,000 deaths later, you know, while it's happening, we discover that they can. Now, WHA comes out with this. This would be this would be, for instance, what the Chinese would hope. The Chinese would hope that they would say that. But I think that we've had too many doctors come on, too many great papers written that those three, four days before you are symptomatic are the most deadly days. So I, WHO is, I think they're, uh, they're offering a lot of suboptimal advice. Yeah. yeah. And, and their communication strategy has been challenged uh, because of Twitter and a bunch of other reasons. Jim, right. tenure uh, back to 82 basis points. Uh, we should mention, of course, the Fed meeting begins today. We'll get the statement in the uh, newser tomorrow. But there is some discussion about how far ahead uh, risk assets are uh, from the Fed and whether or not they need to let this ride or whether we get a pushback in the fall or what? Yeah, look, I think that that's definitely in question. I, I do feel that we do have the runoff of the big unemployment uh, b- boost, the $600, and that the Fed shouldn't do anything until we see what happens then. I know when you see these pictures of the casinos being packed and you see the pictures of, of people uh, ready to go to bars and go out, if you're Jay Powell, you might just say, OK, look, we've done enough. But remember, the unemployment number is still ridiculously high. And I think he has to wait till that at least gets down from double digits before he can take the the uh, foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, that was uh, that was J.P. Morgan's point yesterday. The employment to population ratio 
uh, is still eight points below the pre-pandemic levels, even though, I mean, the administration would love to uh, re reinforce the empirically true fact that it was the biggest creation of jobs in a month in history, but right. you're way below where you were. Uh, yeah. Any victory lap, in J.P. Morgan's words, needs to pump the brakes. And if you take a look at the Wendy's announcement, this is going to be something you start hearing. They haven't opened the actual, trying to open the physical stores. It, the number of tables is so low that you just don't have that. You, know, you, you can have good drive-through. Uh, you can have good delivery. But when you cut the number of tables at a restaurant, you're going to cut employment at a restaurant. Uh, now, Wendy's is, is fast food, so you can say, well, wait a second, that's wrong. But you may not need all the cooks. You, 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 there are, if restaurants are uniquely uh, vulnerable to rent that stays the same, but revenue that goes down a lot, which is why I think the big issue you're going to be seeing is the suing uh, back and forth. The, uh, the restaurants, they've gotten away with a couple of months because they feel like, hey, you got my security deposit. But push comes to shove. This is the month. This is the month where people can't just keep kiting on the real estate uh, on the real estate expenditures. expenditures. So I, I don't think it's, it's just too, it's too early for Jay to say, you know what, it's all clear but before we find out what's going to happen when the rent money runs out. Yeah, no, we, we use the term fiscal cliff now sort of generically. And we got a couple coming up uh, at the end of July oh, and then again yeah. at the beginning of October. Yeah, yeah. We've had so a we were down here. 400. Uh, yeah, we were down 400 just briefly. Let's get to Bob Asani. Hey, Bob. We're getting, uh, Carl, a much-needed uh, pause and a little bit of consolidation after a remarkable run in some sectors that had been losers a couple months ago and have been extraordinary winners in the last month. So let's take a look at the sectors uh, today. What have been the big winners? Bank stocks, energy stocks, retail stocks, industrials. What are the losers today? Exactly those four groups. Uh, healthcare is a relative outperformer, but that has been a relative underperformer uh, in the last month or so. Same thing's going on in Europe, by the way. We're getting the same type of pullback. So if you look at the movers over there, the banks like Society General and ING are down. Uh, aerospace and industrials like Airbus are down. The autos like Daimler are down. The energy stocks like Ina, that's uh, the big uh, Italian uh, oil company, uh, are all down. Same phenomenon happening over in Europe. Uh, and that's because we just had an extraordinary run in uh, a certain subsector uh, of the market in the last month. Just let me show you here. Uh, banks have rallied 25 percent in a month, 25 percent. You don't think this is a rough climate for banks? Loan losses, fewer loans out there, lower interest income? Ugh. And yet look at that rally there. Home builders up. Retailers have been extraordinary. That's an equal weight index that I'm using. That, I'm talk, not talking Amazon uh, there. Industrials as well. Energy stocks up 20%. Retail has just been extraordinary. We've been talking about this this morning. Of course, Macy's had a smaller than expected loss and uh, raised a bunch of money. And the Macy's is up nicely this morning. Uh, but look at these moves. Macy's, Gap, Kohl's, L Brands. This is one month. This is a 30-day period that I am using. And everything has been rallying rather dramatically. Here, I think our mission here is to explain the decoupling between the earnings estimates and the market performance. What exactly is going on? And I think if you look at what moves the markets, I've used this this often. The market is assuming it's ignoring the trough earnings and assuming that the policy decisions are all going to be right by all the actors. So on the reopening, the market's assuming that the decisions of the state officials to reopen has been the correct one and the timing has been correct. On the monetary stimulus, it's assuming the Fed's action on monetary stimulus has been not only right, but sufficient. 
on treatment of vaccines, we're assuming that the, the vaccine research is going to be successful. On trade war with China, we're assuming it's, there's not going to be a massive trade war. Now, this is not fantasy. This is not prestidigitation. There is some evidence that the bulls are correct on all these positions. And exact, that is exactly why the stock market has been rallying, because all four of these have actually aligned with the bull position. I think the problem now that the market is starting to hit is the valuation problem. Let me remind everybody what drives the stock market. Not why is the stock market up, but what drives stocks long term? It's three things primarily. Is earnings growing or not? Right now, they're not growing. They're still going down. Are dividends growing or not? That's not happening. In many situations, dividends are being cut. How about the market multiple, what we call the P.E. ratio? Well, that's the, the thing that's expanding very, very clearly. In my experience, you get, Carl, you get the best stock market when all three of these things are happening. When earnings are growing, dividends are growing, and the multiple is expanding. We only have one of those three. We're going to need to see those earnings numbers really start to change and do a little bit better. But that's the valuation problem that we're hitting right now on a day, uh, on a day like today. Carl, back to you. All right. Uh, well said, Bob. Thanks, Papasani. Let's check in with uh, Rick Santelli this morning as well, ahead of a 10-year note auction later on today. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. Yes, 10-year note auction. And let's not forget, of course, Fed meeting uh, and what the Fed will do ultimately may not be a surprise, but all the things they have done su- certainly have been surprising in their effect. Bob talked about all the fundamentals we learn when we go to school about what moves stocks. But in the most simple form, it's money. Money flying in makes stocks fly up, and that's the phase we're in. Whether you believe it's rational or it can continue, just remember, there's a lot of liquidity that's being created. That's why I'm talking about the Fed. And the last meeting was the 29th, so let's start right at the last meeting and see how markets have done as we go into tomorrow's decision day. Well, let's look at two-year notes. There were 21 basis points in the last meeting. There were basically 21 basis points now. But as you move down the curve, what a difference. Look at a 10-year since the last meeting. We're up 20 basis points, and we're not on the highs that we were at the end of last week, which was a whisker shy of 90 basis points, and 30-year bonds even more aggressive. So obviously, the curve has steepened dramatically since the last meeting, and Bob was talking about banks. Well, sure, the financials are cooking in Greece. Let's put it on top of the tens, the twos, the banking index, and you can clearly see both are zoom, zoom, zooming to the upside, even acknowledging today's setback, and finally, the dollar index. Boy, since the last meeting, the dollar index has lost a boatload of value, as you see there, and zoom it back to year end, we are hovering just above unchanged on the year on the dollar index. Carl and Jim, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a bit. Uh, Rick Santelli. Take a quick break here as uh, the market is lower, led by uh, financials to some degree, some retailers, Definitely the transports and the airlines that have had such an amazing run. We're back in a moment. This country has endured uh, wars. And so, you know, Warren Buffett talks about this all the time, depressions, recessions, uh, you know, crises. And, but every single one of them uh, that comes about, uh, soon afterwards we recover and we go down to new highs. That's Ron Barron uh, this morning on Squawk talking about the tenacity of the American spirit when it comes to at least uh, markets uh, and business. Jim, kind of sounds like that Schwab commercial. Yes, it does. we have wars. Look, the, the American stock market is very vibrant. And I know that you mentioned early on uh, a Heather Bellini piece, Goldman Sachs, about Facebook. 
I urge people if they can get this. I know Goldman Sachs I'm not going to give away the research, but it's really about the greatness of small business and how it's going to. And there's millions of them and how it's going to go to the next level using the Internet. And Ron Barron talked about how the Internet was the equivalent of the interstate highway system for the, the uh, Tisch family. Uh, seeing what was going on, they recognized that you could see that areas of the country would never be exploited without the fact of Eisenhower building the interstate highway. And he's calling the Instagram, the, he's calling the uh, Internet that. In this Instagram portion of this Heather Bellini piece and the Facebook shops portion are so brilliant because they're really talking about the new way that we work and the new way that we shop. I've always loved her stuff. She is such a smart analyst. And this is a very, very thoughtful piece. Facebook, FB shops to drive greater customer checkouts. And not only that, it's going to send Facebook stock uh, to um, uh, much higher. It's that good a piece. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to give the target? <laughs> well, uh, you want to see I mean, they were, they were at 220. Yeah, yeah, they were at 220. They go to Heather goes to 250. It's an interesting well, piece. she's a conservative uh, person. She's just a nice person too. I mean, I you know I meet her at these charity things, and it's like, wow, it's Heather. Believe me, I I don't know why I expect her to be like some sort of figure who would be like 500. dollars <laughs> She's like, you know, nice person. Good to see you. How are you, Heather? Real yep. person. Nice to see. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, more in just a moment. Don't go away. There's a look at the S&P. Only about 10% is green, but it's largely the stay-at-home names. eBay, Amazon, Netflix, Regeneron, Domino's, Clorox, NVIDIA, and Lilly. We're back in just a minute. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Not all speculative stocks are created equal. Some are more equal than others. And one that I actually like is Beyond Meat, even up here. It's down 12 uh, BTIG has a note about a big China distribution deal. I think it's very important. They've got good deals with Starbucks and Dunkin', maybe with McDonald's. But uh, Ethan Brown is about an ecosystem. He is on a mission. And th- I'm not saying that this is the next Tesla. I am saying that this is a bigger uh, issue about how to get protein into your body than a $9 billion market cap would indicate. So if you want something, if you're one of those people who says, God, what a buzzkill Kramer is, here, there I offer you Beyond Meat when it, start goes, when it goes down below 150 because it, uh, Ethan Brown's real. He, he comes to play, and the stuff tastes good, too. Yeah, it's interesting, Jim. You know, back when we were really worried about meat supply, and by the way, Wendy's today said that their beef supply was pretty much back to normal. Right. But this was starting to get talked about as a substitution. Once meat is plentiful again, you don't see this going back. No, and one of the things I really love about Ethan is he's been cutting price because he feels that people feel that the meat chain has been uh, spoiled. Uh, and he thinks that his chance not to be able to high grade, but to actually come underneath. And make it so people recognize that the cow, as he always tells me, is one lousy way to get protein. You want to go grain. You don't want to go grain to cow to your stomach. You just want to go grain to your stomach. The cow doesn't help. It just adds a lot of gristle. Yes. Uh, so DocuSign tonight, Jim, and what DocuSign else? DocuSign is the ultimate, you know, talk about stay, stay at home. You never have to deal with anybody. I love DocuSign. Hey, this guy Singh uh, from Chewy, he sent me uh, actual pictures of my dogs, of NVIDIA painted. It's so perfect. Have it on my wall. Stitch Fix uh, doing a kind of, you know, Katrina Lakes trying to, she made a lot of money for people. Let's see if she can keep it up. I think Chewy's great. We, we like using Chewy, and they really care about your pet. They do. 
they care about your pet. Yeah. No, no, we've been talking about those guys for a while, Jim. Look, yeah, look uh, at that's a good video. show. What um, a dog. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.